This morning we continue our series on faithfulness, and we have been thinking about how we can be faithful. We talked about being faithful with our time, being faithful with our treasure. Uh, Today we're going to talk about a little bit of a different take on that, but uh, as we begin, I I wanted to, to say thank you, not just from me, but specifically from the missions team. Um, they have uh, basically are at almost the full amount that they need for the missions team. I think they're shy just a little bit. Those of you who can do mental math real quick, I think it looks like $1,300-ish, maybe a little more than that. But they are, you know, just this close. And to be this close from, what, uh, three months from Mission Sunday, somewhere in there, uh, is real good. And so just a, a thank you to those of you who have made those commitments. That certainly uh, takes the burden off of our missions team with that regard, the missions oversight team. So now they begin the work of supporting and encouraging and equipping those missionaries that we send out into the field. So a, a thank you from them to us using me as the, the mouthpiece. And uh, we appreciate the ways in which you are practicing good stewardship because that makes an impact. It makes a real impact uh, uh, in very real ways to, you know, missionaries. It makes a real impact to people uh, that watch Know Your Bible, that are watching that right now. That doesn't happen on accident. It happens because we're intentional and purposeful and mostly faithful with the gifts that God gives us. As I said at the beginning, this is a regular part of our uh, culture here at Northside. We do not apologize for talking about uh, stewardship because we believe that if you fully understand it, it changes so much of everything. In how you use your time, when you see the time that God's given you and that you have a limited amount, and what you have, I mean, you have less time now than you've ever had. Speaking of that, I'll start my timer here. I know some of you appreciate that. You have less time now than you, than you have ever had, and you're running out. So be smart about it. Savor your time. Be wise with it. Don't waste your time, and be intentional and purposeful with it. Last week, we talked about your money, your treasure, which, it, you know, is, money's not everything in the world, but it's reasonably close to oxygen. Um, So as we use it or misuse it, it can become a big part of why people come to church or even don't come to church because they have not been a good steward with it. And God doesn't give us those principles to shame us. He wants what's best for us. And so if we'll take the principles from his word about giving generously and and letting that be a first fruit giving, not just what's left over, or or whether we're saving uh, diligently and spending wisely, we got to be good stewards with our treasure. And that's important to do so that, like we talked about the Good Samaritan, when those opportunities come up, when those needs come up, when kids need to go to camp, when the missions uh, team needs wants to send out a, a missionary to another field, uh, when those opportunities come up, if you're being good stewards, we're in a position to help. Uh, many of you know, and if you don't know, I'll just give you a gentle reminder here. Uh, the backpack blessing, you've seen those coming in. Hopefully all of those are in today. And um, if they're full of school supplies and the crates are for the teachers. And thank you to those of you who have done that. And by the way, if you want to help deliver that, we're going to do that on Monday, August 5th. 
I have no idea what that was. Is that bicycle bell? Uh, Monday, August 5th is when we're going to do that. Or yeah, And uh, so if you would be interested in helping deliver these backpacks to those teachers on their first day of school at Pleasant Valley Elementary, be glad to have you. But we really need to know they're actually inviting us for breakfast um, because they really have appreciated the Northside family. So we need to tell them how many we're going to bring. So if you're going to do that, if you'd like to do that, love to have you. Sign up at the corner uh, or send me an email. Be glad to, to help you. Uh, get you signed up for that. Our theme verse for this is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 is a simple yet profound and powerful verse, and if you think about it and apply it, it will really change everything. Now, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. You think about what God has given you. I know we think about that. We sing about the the blessings, and we we think about what he's given to us. But have you ever asked yourself, how am I using what God's giving me, given me and my family to bless others? I'm not just talking about money. Think about your marriage. How does your marriage, how is that a blessing to other marriages? Do you speak life into other couples? Do you help other people? What about your friendships, the people that God's put in your life? Do Do you ever just realize that all the people in your life are there probably for a reason that God needs you to do something in their life and to be a vessel of truth and love for them? In other words, what he's poured out for you should overflow from you. What he's poured out for you should overflow from you. We can just hold on to those things we talked about last week, or we can open our hand and open our hearts and say, everything that I have is from God, and it's it's not mine at all. Someone this morning asked me if they could use my office for something. I said, absolutely. I said, me office is su office, right? The preacher's office, if you don't know, is sort of community property, right? Because it is. It's not mine. It's the place where I reside and I do some work and I write some things. But it, I, anybody can use it because I realize it doesn't belong to me. Well, maybe we should think the, the same way about all of our blessings. When we begin to think that way, it transforms us. So today we're talking about being faithful with your talents and how that is so impactful. Now, a talent is a tricky word because that word has changed in meaning over time. There was a time when a talent represented a unit of weight, which is about 75 pounds. So if somebody goes up to you and says, boy, you are really talented, just, just think for just a second, okay? They, I hope they didn't mean it that way. But it could also be a, a, a unit of coinage. Somebody did the calculation in the Bible. A talent was a, a unit of money. We're going to talk about a story this morning that talked about that. And in today's equivalence, one of those, those, those coins would be worth about $1,000. So you know, I mean, think about it. It might just be a one-ounce gold coin somewhere along those equivalents. It, it, was, it was not an uh, inconsequential or small thing. It, was, it represented something, some wealth that you could do something with. If you had a coin today, if you had a one-ounce gold coin in your pocket, um, what would you do with that? What might you do with it? I'm sorry, this is not the point where I do audience participation and I give those out. Yeah, yeah. Preachers don't, yeah, that's not... <laughs> Um, but if, but if you were, if you were given a coin, a, a, a solid gold, you know, um, American Eagle, what would you do with it? How would you use it? Good question. Jesus told a story about three guys who got five, two, and one. 
And what they did with it is a huge lesson for us. We'll get that, we'll get that in just a second. I want to ask you about another story. Did you hear the story about Connor Nickerson? Connor Nickerson did a fascinating project. Actually, quite interesting. Uh, Connor is probably a little bit younger than I am, but, but he's, he's kind of a kid of the 80s, early 90s, way back, you know. And um, he found some old pictures of himself back when he was a kid. And so he, he's kind of a graphic guy and master at Photoshop. And so what he did was he took some pictures of himself today, and then he superimposed those on some old pictures. And so the result of that was quite an interesting juxtaposition. The past and the present together. If you could go back in time, if, if you could juxtapose yourself right now with an earlier version of yourself, if you could sit right next to yourself and just say, buddy, let me just tell you what the future is going to be like. Let me just tell you what's in store for you. In Toby's life, I thought about that. I would go back to myself in about 1983, and I would say, buddy, you're going to really, you're going to want to go into dad's shop today, and you're going to pull out a box knife, and you're going to try to cut a piece of of string. Please don't. Please step back. Or if I could go to like 1987 to a eight, nine-year-old Toby, and I would say, as he's crying on his bed, Because his whole world has come crashing down as his parents have split. Future Toby would put his hand on past Toby and say, next few years are going to be terrible. But hang in there. The story gets better. In 1991... He would go and sit beside a young Toby, sitting in a pew, kind of in the teen section, along about right here. And he would sit by young Toby and he'd say, as he's getting ready to go make the biggest decision of his life, to be baptized into Christ, to become a, a Christ follower, to, be, to be, begin that journey. And he'd look over and say, man, go all in. <laughs> It'll be the best decision of your life. It will make everything. It will change this life in this world, but more importantly, it will change the world to come. Long about 1994, if current Toby could go back to talk to past Toby, he'd go to the teen room with the youth group. He'd sit beside him, that 
Henri's sophomore, just learning to drive. The world is his oyster. And as he sits that morning trying to listen to the youth minister, he can't because in has walked the most beautiful girl he has ever seen in his life. And he would say to him, go after that girl. (laughs) Now initially, she will spurn your advances. But don't give up. She loves you. She just doesn't know it yet. (laughs) You ever thought about what would you say to yourself if you could go back in time and talk to yourself and give yourself some advice. This morning we have kind of an opportunity to do that. Now, away from Connor Nickerson's story to the Bible story. I hope you'll open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Jesus tells a story that is very easy to just blow by, but if we'll... If we'll sink our teeth into it, and more importantly, sink our souls into it. It'll change the way we live. Let's go. Page 1066, by the way, if you don't know exactly where Matthew 25 is, that's in this Bible. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also he had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them and he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more saying, Master, you've delivered me five talents Here, I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will entrust you with much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. And here, I have delivered two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you had scattered no seeds. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to at least have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would receive what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten. For to everyone who has more will be given and he who will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in the place 
Well, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this morning, this is not a textual sermon, meaning I'm not going to go through and analyze and exegete every single text because that's not really what we're about. I just want to boil down that story in three simple ways. Number one, we have to realize this. Number one, the master entrusts, entrusts his servants with his talents. Everything you have is his. And I know on an intellectual level you understand that, but really when you begin to understand Psalm 24:1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, that everything is his, and it's been entrusted to you, but it's been entrusted to you for a reason. Number two, you need to remember that not all servants are entrusted equally, that the master knows the servants, and it's his talents to give away. And so he has the total authority to give one, one talent and to give one, two talents and to give one, five talents. You see, the world focuses on, well, this guy, he didn't get as much as that guy. You know, we, we need to make that fair. That's not fair. That's not right. Well, listen, it's not your decision because if we remember number one, it's his to begin with. And he entrusts, then, those that he knows with certain levels. Now, sometimes we can foolishly think, oh, gosh, I'm always going to be a five-talent servant, or I'm always going to be a two-talent servant. No, no, not at all. Even in this story, the servants changed position. The guys with five, two, and one became guys with eleven, four, and zero. Your stewardship is not static. It's always changing depending on how well you steward. So may we not forget that it's his to entrust and that steward servants are not entrusted equally, but stewards can get better or worse. No steward stays the same. They never do. Now, from this story, I really want you to learn one Crucial lesson as we talk about stewardship. It is not about what you have. It is about what you do with what you have been entrusted with. God is not concerned with where you start, right? The world's worried about making everything fair, giving everybody equal amounts, starting everybody on the same page. Guys, that's not reality. God does not work that way. Some people have hard things, and maybe you have hard things. Maybe you started out and you've had a really hard life. Some of you, you know, you, you, you were born with things pretty good. You don't even realize how good you've got it. All of that is inconsequential. What is important is not what you have or even what you start with, but what you do with what you've been given. God's more important, you see, with where you finish, not where you start. So may we take our stewardship as seriously. Well, let me tell you about this. First Peter chapter 4.10 says, Each one of you should use whatever gift you have been given to serve others. See, now I handed out one and two and five God says, I want you to use whatever you've been given to serve others. So the one talent can serve and use his gift, what he's been given, to serve others. 
It won't be. It'll look different than the two-talent. The two-talent can use what he's been given to serve others. And if he does, he'll be faithful. And that'll look even more different than the five-talent. Our concern, then, is not the other stewards. It's about how we're stewarding what we have. Your talents, your abilities, your gifts, even your opportunities. Several months ago, you probably remember that Northside had a challenge. This was called the Loving Others Challenge. We had a generous donor who was a, I'll say a five-talent steward. This person had been blessed and said, you know, I want to give Northside, as we talk about being all in, the opportunity to do something real practical. So this person gave a donation and split it up among, I can't remember, it was like 400 envelopes. And the goal was to give every family an envelope with a gift. And the purpose of the gift was not to just be for you to keep. But the purpose of it was to use it, as 1 Peter 4.10 says, in a way that serves others. You see, everyone had the same opportunity. Those envelopes had anywhere from one single dollar all the way up to $15. These were small opportunities, speaking generally, okay. But these were, these were gifts that you had to think about and think creatively about. And here's what happened. You know what happened. Some people did it, and some people didn't do it. Some people, when we passed the plates and had a reverse offering, remember that, and you put, took the envelopes out, and, the, you know, you were, everybody's excited about coming to Northside. Yeah, reverse offering. But some people took those envelopes, and they put them on a shelf, and they did nothing with them. We've got to think about our stewardship. Now, we have a lot of people who did something, because in addition to the uh, envelope itself was... Two pieces of paper. And on those pieces of paper, you were supposed to write how you used your gift. And so you would turn that in and just share your story. And these are all anonymous. I have no idea who these are. But just let me share with you a few of how people stewarded their gift. We added $20 to the $5 in the envelope. And we gave it to a smiling, efficient waitress who was a single mother. And we included a note with the tip of genuine thanks and sharing God's love. Now, you might think $5 wouldn't make a difference, but I bet that waitress remembers that tip. I bet she still has the note. We made a meal for our neighbor who had just had hip replacement surgery. Don't you know, I bet they're closer neighbors. I bet the neighbor didn't forget. I used the money to treat someone to lunch who I had just met at the Y, who was depressed and needing to talk. I'll bet whoever that was didn't forget it. I saw a homeless man walking down the street in Dallas. I asked him if he was hungry, and I used the gift to buy him a meal. And you might not think it's much, but when you're hungry, a little meal is a big thing. Somebody said, I took some cupcakes to the neighbors next door and I introduced ourselves and I I told them about our church and know your Bible. And I found out that this lady had grown up uh, in the church in Houston, Texas, and her dad was a preacher. And we invited them to Northside. See, I bet you wouldn't think it was that much, but to that neighbor it was a big deal. I took a meal to my neighbor who had just lost her mother. Her mother had moved in with, uh, this lady had moved in with her mother to take care of her. 
And now can you imagine after your mother passes, you, you're there and, and you maybe feel all alone. And here comes a knock at the door. See, God gives us opportunities all the time. But it's up to us to take advantage of them, to use them. The key difference in Jesus' story and in our challenge was this. The difference, you see, is not among the talents. The difference is the story, among the servants in the story. There's the good servants, the wise stewards. They say, see, I have gained. Right? They weren't worried about gaining for themselves. They weren't saying, my stock investment portfolio is really doing well this year. They were saying, here's what I did for you, God. But there was a bad, wicked, lazy. And those are the words that the master uses. He was only given one talent. He only had one job, just a small thing to do. And yet Jesus describes him as wicked and slothful. Why? Because he was afraid. Because he hid. Because he didn't take the opportunity that he had given him. Think about it for just a second on a, on, a, on a worldly level, okay? Let's say that someone, a wealthy uncle or something, came to you and said, you know, I've got a lot of wealth and I'm just blessing everybody in the family. And what I'd like to do is give you $10,000. And so they just hand you, it's not even a check, it's a stack of cash. And they just say, this is for you to use however you want. And you're thinking, well, gosh, $10,000... What should I do with it, right? Perhaps I spend it on something. Perhaps I make a gift with it. Perhaps I'll save it or even invest it. What's the very worst thing you could do with that gift? Nothing. The very worst thing you could do is go bury it in the backyard. Some people might do that. think, well, there could be an emergency. The world could fall apart. It would be nice to know I have $10,000 there in the backyard. But you're not using it. And in fact, that $10,000, because of inflation, is shrinking in value every single year. It's not being used. It's not being used to be a blessing. That's a human value. That's very simple. But we understand that. The worst thing you can do with what you've been given is to not use it at all. We need to be good stewards of all that God entrusts us. Let me jump outside of the money thing for just a second and talk about a gift that I'm pretty sure you all have and it's called social media. You've been given a platform. It's a weird sort of world that we live in. Used to be guys like me were the ones who had the platform. Everybody listened to the guy with the platform. Now everybody's got a platform. It doesn't matter. I mean, having 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 friends, no big deal. But did you think that maybe that God's given you 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 friends for a purpose? My question is, are you being a good steward of your platform? Let me tell you a story about a girl who, who absolutely just blew me away. You know her, but she's not here this morning because she's on her way up the mountain. Her name is Hannah Shaver. Hannah Shaver is on Instagram. She friended me, so I friended her back, and, and, I, and she, she got 1,200 followers on Instagram. Wow. <laughs> she's, I mean, you know, she's cooler than I am is, is the, the, the definition of that, okay? But you know what she does? This is so cool. <laughs> One day on her story, it pops this thing, and it says, hey, guys, and I can't remember if it had a Bible open or what it had, but... Um, Across the picture, it said, hey, I am praying today. How can I pray for you? That blew me away and humbled me. Because, see, I thought social media was all about me. And a lot of people use that way, sadly, even Christians. 
But here was this college girl, pretty new Christian, and she was using her platform. She was being a wise steward with what God had given her. Isn't that cool? That is being a good steward. So you might think about that next time you get on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Are you using what you're posting to glorify yourself? Or are you using it to speak life and hope and truth to anyone who may be paying attention? God gave you that for a reason. Can you imagine if the Apostle Paul had Instagram? I mean, seriously, he'd be like, dude, this is awesome. He would use that to glorify God, to build the church, to tell others about Jesus, and to give them hope. But you and I were like, hey, here's my lunch, click. Hey, let me tell you about my political opinions and why you're wrong. You know, I've seen so many people brought to Jesus using that method. It's amazing. We've had revival in the church, I think. I'm being facetious, you know. May we strive to glorify him in all that we've been given. And may we strive to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Good stewards live not to please themselves. Good stewards live to please the master in whatever talent they've been blessed with, regardless of how much. And when you are faithful to God in your talents and your blessing, over time you gain something that I call momentum. You see, momentum is a simple but not easy. It's a formula. If you're a math nerd, you're really going to like this part of the sermon. If you're not, I apologize. This would be the time to, you know, draw pretty pictures. The momentum equation is this, and it has everything in the world to do with stewardship, and it's this. And you could even write it down if you're drawing pretty pictures. Faithfulness over time multiplied by God equals unstoppable Momentum. Faithfulness to God over time. I really want you to get that. So this morning, I need audience participation. If you're on this side of the audience, you have three words to say. Faithfulness to God. Repeat after me. Faithfulness to God. Let's try it again. Faithfulness to God. Now, not to leave this side of the auditorium out, you just have two simple words to say, and it's over time. Say it together. Over time. So momentum is faithfulness to God over time. You see, some people can practice their... But they give up after a short period of time. They, they don't stick with it. They, they, they get out of the waters and they, they get going for a few weeks, but they, they, they forget that it's not just... But it, it must be... You see... Some of you people might look at somebody who's an older, more mature Christian. You hear them teach a class or you see them lead and you go, man, how can I ever get to be like Brian Middleton? How can I ever follow in that guy's footsteps? How can I ever be a leader like that? How can I ever be like a Justin Abraham? That man has influence and impact. He goes into surgery rooms and the doctor's like, yep, just let him on back. <laughs> He's going to do work far what we can do, above what we are going to do. How do I get to be like that? The answer, momentum. The answer is... See, it's not about having five talents, two talents, ten talents, twenty-five talents. It's about taking that talent and practicing... 
You take those little things and be faithful with it. You take the little things, every little blessing, your home, your car, your house, your family, your money, your time, your relationships, your platform, every single thing, and you practice. You keep being faithful. You never give up on being faithful. Now, momentum is easy. Let me give you an example of momentum. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of this tiny little restaurant. But this tiny little restaurant did not start out as what we truly know as not only an amazing company, but having an amazing culture. You see, long before anybody knew, long before preachers talked about it every week, it wasn't Chick-fil-A. It was a tiny little place. In fact, it was so tiny, it was called the Dwarf House. It was a small, unknown, obscure restaurant in Hopeville, Georgia, And Truett Cathy had just signed the deed. No one knew who the Cathys were. They certainly had no idea about what chicken sandwiches all are about. They had no idea of the blessing from above that waffle fries are. Even Truett didn't know those things. But you know what Truett was? He was faithful. He practiced You see, everybody now, everybody wants to sign up to be a Chick-fil-A franchisee. I mean, because, yeah, everybody, they're successful. Nobody wanted to be a part of the dwarf house. But true, it was faithful to God over time. And today, it's the number three fast food restaurant in the world. Now, why that's significant is because, is there more Chick-fil-A's in any restaurant? Nope, not at all. Number one and number two ahead of Chick-fil-A are McDonald's and Starbucks. You know how many locations McDonald's and Starbucks has all over the world? About 14,000. You know how many Chick-fil-A has? Just a little over 2,000. And yet they are chomping at the heels of McDonald's and Starbucks. Why? Because Truett's so wise? No, because Truett's a good steward. And because Truett practiced over time. Such a huge thing. And you think about it, not only do they have less locations, they're open less. They're not open seven days a week, 24 hours a day. They're open 16 hours a day, six days a week. They do less with less time and with fewer days, and yet they're almost surpassing the big guys. Why is that? That's momentum. That's faithfulness to God over time. You think that sounds great for a restaurant, but listen, we can do it too. Colossians chapter 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You say, that's great. I can't go open a chicken restaurant. I know. I've been there right with you. I'm, 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 I suffer with that every day. But you can do exactly what Truett did with a very little amount, with a little bit of time, with a little bit of money, with a little bit of a small social media platform. Maybe you've got a small family. It doesn't matter how big it is. In God's hands, this is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Did God need 5,000 chicken sandwiches to feed 5,000 plus people? He did not. He needed what? Five loaves, two fishes, and one faithful little boy. In God's hands, faithful is much. 
It's not about the steward. It's about the master. It's not about how much he gives you. It's about what he can do through you when you're faithful with it. So may we be faithful in all we do. Now you stop and think for just a second and list out your blessings. And let me ask you, are you doing it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you honoring him in all that you do? You see, when you're faithful with the master, two becomes four and five becomes ten. And of course, we know the counter lesson to that. That one can even become zero when you're unfaithful with it. In your, if your future self could come back and meet with you today, I don't know what he or she would tell you. But my guess is I could boil it down with two words. He or she from the future would come to you today and say simply this, be faithful. Be faithful to God with all you have. Take your time, your marriage, your money, your business, your children, your family, and open your hands and open your heart and say, God, here am I. Whatever you've given me is not mine. It is yours. And take all that you have Whatever it is, understanding that it's not yours to begin with. And practice momentum. Practice being over time. May we not forget. Hebrews 11 verse 6 is probably a verse you know, but if you don't, you need to turn there and then you ought to underline it, okay? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, this is page 1287, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, for whoever comes to him must believe that he exists and catch this, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who are faithful, not because of who they are and how great they are, but because of who he is. You'll be faithful to him. Oh, you'll watch the momentum open up in your life. When you honor God in all you do, he's going to bless all you do. So my question to you is this. Are you being faithful? Are you being faithful with what God has entrusted you? You see, the the difference between the good servants and the bad servants in this story not just had to do with what they did and not just how the master reacted, but think about this. Good servants heard these words. Well done. Well done. You see, well done is so much better than well said. Well done is so much better than well intended. Nah, when you, when you meet your maker, and you will, my question is, will he look at you? It's not a matter of if he loves you. He loves you beyond what you can even fathom. But my question is, when he sees you, will he say, well done? Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's happiness. Good servants seek to please the master. They seek to trust him and obey him. They seek to be faithful to him. This morning, if you are seeking to begin your journey with Jesus, if you're sitting in the pew like 13-year-old Toby was sitting in the pew, if if you're waiting and you've been waiting and you're thinking, I need to begin my journey, my walk with Jesus then today would be a wonderful time to do that, and we'd love to help you. And we'd pray for you and encourage you, and we'd be willing to...
take your confession of faith and baptize you into Christ. I mean, truly, that's how we ultimately are faithful, is through Jesus Christ. He's the way. He's the truth. And because he was perfectly faithful, we can join him in finding faithfulness through him. If you haven't done that, I want to encourage you to do that this morning. But maybe you've followed Jesus and you find yourself with more in common with the one-talent servant than you realize. You've just not been doing well with everything that God's given you. And you fear that you've been fearful, maybe even lazy. Perhaps you need to repent. I I don't know. Perhaps you could use the prayers of this congregation. We are here at Northside to help everyone wherever they are in their journey. And so if this morning your journey leads you to come down front and, and ask for the prayers of our shepherds and our encouragement and our love, we want to give you that too. If we can help you in any way this morning, we want you. We want everyone to be faithful. We want everyone in this room and hearing this on the podcast and watching it online and on Vimeo. We want you all to hear the words, well done. If you are not ready to hear and to meet your maker, come now. And we'll help you get ready through Jesus the Christ. If you have any other need, please come as we stand and sing.